welcome to Staffing Stories, hosted by Andy Moss. Andy has been in the staffing industry for over 25 years, first as a recruiter, then eventually an account manager and business owner. This is the podcast where we sit down with fellow staffing owners to get the real stories of the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned along the way. Good afternoon. I'm your host, Andy Moss with Staffing Stories. And when I started doing this podcast, I kind of quickly jotted down some uh, wish list um, individuals that I would want on it. And probably in my top five was my guest today, Anastasia Valentine with Resource One. So uh, she's making my Christmas by doing this podcast. So I really appreciate you, you carving out your busy schedule to talk to us. Absolutely. Now you're up in the Chicago cold area, correct? Oh yeah. Very cold, <laughs> very cold. Very cold. So the season is changing uh, for you. For those of, that um, I said like earlier, I was like, if you're not from this planet and staffing, they know who your name is and know who you are, but quickly introduce yourself to all of us. So um, my name is Anastasia Valentine and I am an owner of Resource One uh, and managing partner uh, which is an IT technology consulting firm. So on the very high end of IT. And um, how did, you know, the point of this podcast is to really kind of dive into how'd you start? How'd you get that um, person drag you into this industry we call staffing and recruiting? <laughs> well, that's really, this is a good story. Um, <laughs> I knew it would be. That's why I had to have you on. Um, I was at Northern Illinois University, and I had uh, a degree in biology and a minor in chemistry. Really? Yes. And uh, actually, I was on my way to medical school, and I had a semester. I, I wanted to say an extra semester at Northern Illinois because we had built a brand new sorority house, and I had to live in it. Oh. So I'd be in between starting any type of, you know, further programming. So my mom said, you have to get a job. So I was like, all right. The night before I put a resume together. My house mom, Karen, helped me. And I had no suit. So I had some sort of a skirt, a jacket, and then I wore my winter coat over it. <laughs> through the whole, the whole conference. And I ended up getting asked to be a technical recruiter for Deloitte and Touche and for advanced resources. I don't know if you know Leo Sheridan. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know Leo the name very well. Was, Leo Sheridan was my first boss. Nice. Yeah. So did they, I mean, did you post your resume or did you send it to them or were you introduced? Like, Well, what happened is, is at the time they were working with a lot of, uh, a lot of pharmaceutical reps doing yeah. CRAs, you know, a lot of, a lot of clinical research. Okay. But I ended up being a technical recruiter for them. And this was when they, uh, Leo was maybe 6 million in size and just low level staffing, like not very big. Yeah. And they opened up the tech arm and I was the first technical recruiter to do that. And they brought in a doctorate student from Northwestern for like a year. And, and I was like, tutored two hours, like three times a week in technology and building it, assembling it, understanding it. And um, 
that's how I became so proficient in technology. So you you took this job as a, I guess, a job for the summer or is it for a semester? Just, I mean, thinking temporary or were you? January. Yeah, I started in January right out of school and yeah. And then it just blossomed into like, okay, how do you explain to your parents? Oh, I'm going med. I want to go to medical school to, ah, I like this tech recruiting. You know, um, I, I, I don't think that they cared either way. I, they just wanted me to be happy. And, yeah. you know, I think you can always kind of go back to medical school or take a couple of years and then go back. So I, I don't think they were too terribly worried. Um, but it wasn't long and until I started making a lot, a lot of money. And then my parents are like, do you really think you need to go back to medical school? <laughs> like, and, you know, you know, a lot of, or I think early on in my career, I was trying to get recruited away out of staffing into pharmaceuticals and sales and stuff like that. And I, and I kept telling the guys like, you know what, you guys think you make a lot of money. I said, why don't you guys come over to the staffing side and recruiting side? And I told them kind of like what we were making. You're like, wow. And they, you know, they thought they were on the good side. So yes, staffing, you can make a lot of money at a very young age. And it's, uh, it's very exciting when that happens. Yes. Yes. So you've been on the, te- uh, one of the, the, the things I admire about you the most is you've always been a champion to technology always. And mm-hmm. I've always valued your opinions on it, but it sounds like you've been from the tech side from the very beginning, early years of tech. So how has that changed from probably recruiting you know, stuff that's obsolete now. Yeah, it's different. I mean, when I was a recruiter, when I came out of college, we were still working on fax machines. We still had to put our jobs in the newspaper by five. Yeah. And then the first people there on Monday were ripping the you know resumes off the fax machine. And when the fax rang, you know, you're running over there by the donut table to grab a donut and the fax. Yep. You know, it was different. We didn't have internet. We started our days at eight and then people checked their answer machines when they got home at night. Yeah. You hopefully caught them somewhere between six to nine. You know, I've negotiated contracts when people have their kids swimming in the bathtubs with their ducks and hold on. And then, you know, you're negotiating and they're like, ah, hold on. And these kids are starting to beat each other up with the ducks. It's hysterical. I've seen it all. Um, it's a lot easier today with technology. You can go so far. Yeah. Even, even the stuff that's obsolete is no longer obsolete. Nothing's one of, obsolete. One, one of the things I, I used to always say is you win before eight and after five in recruiting. And that and that's because that's when we did everything. You had to do it before eight and after five because, like you said, no one was answering the phone or you're leaving messages. Um, and nowadays it's, you know, 24-7 you know, everybody has these, you know, these devices on. So it's just, uh, it's a game changer, especially for the recruiters. Yeah. It's you, I think that you can get a better quality of life in this industry now with the technology. You know, I, you know, there, there are some weeks that I swear we, we were there to 12, one in the morning, you know, several nights a week. And that's just a lot. That's a hard, it's a hard road to run as a career all the time. Oh yeah. So when you look at trends in our industry that you like and then trends that maybe you don't like, 
you, you always have your thumb on things. What what are you seeing out there in the recruiting and staffing? Trends that are like not necessarily like this. Well, like this work from home versus in the office. I mean, there's just COVID put us in a different world, how to run our businesses. Yeah, I would say we've we've agreed to a hybrid. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're in the office. Tuesday, Thursday, we can uh, work remote. Okay. I'll tell you that when we're in on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday is very meaningful. Yeah. I, I don't think there's anyone, at least on our side, that doesn't want some human interaction. I agree. And we've, we've really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, today we have tree trimming and uh, we have, you know, stocking days where people are, departments are stuffing stockings and funny pranks and owls <laughs> running everywhere and yeah. everyone's cubes are decorated. I think people are enjoying being back a little bit. Well, so, that's a trend, I think, in staffing. I'm hearing that a lot of people are moving to hybrid. Well, I always found it was easier when I was looking at it. We're all in the office. And, you know, obviously East Tennessee is a little bit. We don't have long commutes. We don't deal with trains, stuff like that. But um, I was struggling with managing our morning meetings, meetups virtually versus everybody around, a, you know, a board. Let's talk about it. And You do this, you do that. Um so we kept everybody in, but do you struggle? I mean, are you, have you run into struggles with managing that, those kind of directions or everybody kind of knows what they're, they're doing on, especially on Tuesdays and Thursdays when you're remote. All right. So this is interesting. I read a lot about this because of course I've never worked a, a hybrid day in my life. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I had to do some reading about it and the research was pretty clear. You have to change the way that you manage your team. So every morning at 9 a.m., my C-level executive team, which is a total of six, gets on a call from 9 to 9.30. And that's everything that's happening between each job. So my, my two directors of recruiting, my EVP of sales, my highest HR manager, my COO, tech, tech stack, people, okay. myself. And this stuff comes out in a half hour and then everybody breaks from 9.30 to 10 with their respective teams. And it's worked phenomenal. In fact, we had our best fiscal year uh, in the history of our company and we just turned 40 this year. So Congrats. our 40th was our, our best year ever. And, and it, you know what? Uh, if I had to look back on it, I'd tell you that if we were all together, I know that we didn't do anything close to that and, and um it's interesting what you take for granted when you're all in the same space and how you yep. organize yeah so did you have some of your staff just all of a sudden explode and thrive when they were working this hybrid or just all of them all of them because the gen z's you know the gen z said you know anastasia you really got to think about it i did half of my college experience i did remote i got a degree remote like i lived alone yeah, I, I know how to manage my time. You know, that made me really think it's more my issue than hers. And it really yeah. the burden of anyone on on a hybrid, it's always our responsibility to make sure they know what they're doing. Right. And, and following up with them. So I just I don't know. I Maybe it even made it better for us 
because that nine o'clock is every morning and, and, you know, a lot less running around during the day, trying to find people and what's going on. Well, it, it's, um, it's interesting. You say that about the college. Cause I, I look at my son in high school, you know, half of his four years in high school were, you know, in a mask or, you know, yeah. not there. And I'm like, God, you know, that life just, you know, quickly gets away and you're like, wow, my son that's in college, like half of his was remote. So I wasn't thinking of it like that, but you definitely have, you know, made me kind of realize that. So if you're encouraging individuals that are, you know, young, I would, a year or two in recruiting, how would you encourage them to think through a process of this is a career? Like what, what, you know, I always say you always have to keep learning. I still learn every day, but mm -hmm. how, what would you say to that young professional? Well, that's interesting that you say that because I have five new generational Z's. Most <laughs> of my, the rest of my organization are mostly X's. You know, a lot of, you know, the millennials kind of moved around, I think during COVID um, so it's really funny because you got, uh, my CEO is baby boomer and then yeah. manager team X's and then all these Z's. And so we laugh about it a lot. And what's very, it's very important. <clears throat> There's a lot of questions about the whys and understanding what they're accomplishing and doing. Now I'll tell you, I have a fair amount of them that have been stayed. One's been here uh, seven years. She may be a millennial though. Uh, the other, the others are here going into two and three years, and it's a big responsibility because I'm constantly educating, training, giving resources. So if they, if they're doing more and really good things, then they get asked to do other things. And so we do so much technology implementation. It's kind of like a good reward for people mm -hmm. to want to get on one of those. So everybody's always working towards that. So it's fun. Everybody yeah. gets to try it. I've, I've always, you know, if you get someone successful, I don't care what age, whatever, that's when people will stay. And you've got a very successful business. But are there things that you just hang your hat on of why people stay with you? I mean, I think that's always in our industry. We have a lot of turnover. But you've been able to keep your recruiters and account managers. What I mean, what do you contribute that to other than yourself? I know they're going to say, ah. Actually, actually, you know what? I I play, pay or the excuse me, play a small fraction of it. Um, I believe that our culture is unique, right? We don't compete against each other. It's a good culture. We're using technology. Um, everybody has plenty of space and room and trust. You know, we just don't. I don't ask how many phone calls you make. I don't micromanage if you have to leave early to a doctor's appointment. Like it's a very professional uh, environment like that. And people really enjoy each other. Like uh, I have three colleagues that have been here 24 years. Wow. Um, uh, I, I'm my C-level team. I'm my HR manager here, 18. My controller going on 18. Uh, counting manager, I think is 10 or 12. Like it just goes on and on. A sorcerer at seven. What I, you know, our, we treat our people well and and they treat each other well. We really we're really lucky that we have an environment. I keep this company every time just for that great environment. That's amazing. So has there been 
a struggle that you've been through that's, you know, you went into that struggle and you came out the other side and it changed you. Is there anything that you can kind of think back to early on middle career that was like, man, I hit the wall here or um, I had to really buckle down? Struggle. My God, you know, we've had a lot of struggles. We've had 9-11. We've had financial yeah. crisis. You know, I have had to rebuild with this same team, Resource One, several times over, right? We all, you know, had some pretty rough tumbles when 9-11, I think, was the smallest our company had ever been in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, but most of our staff flew around the country. So probably about 40 people just said they wouldn't fly anymore. Yeah. So that was a pretty big struggle, you know, trying to get a lot of people who worked contracts across country to continue on with assignments during 9-11 who wouldn't get on airplanes. Yes. Well, so, it changed. Uh, I can, I mean, everything changed that, that point, but you have to, in this, in this industry, it's an industry of adapting to, economies i've been through like three recessions you've been through three at least and um we always have them they're always going to come it's just get to the other side um you know we're staring at one right now just you know again we're, it, we've always come out on the other side of something better than we went into it and that's the way i always look at stuff is um, you manage your business better stronger are there any tips tricks for other owners out there of things that from a management standpoint, uh, you know, you mentioned culture. I mean, your people are great. Uh, what are some other things that you would probably encourage people to look at? Well, in our case, we're trying something new. We, you know, with this soft recession, we actually hired five people on, you know, yep. uh, with the full intention to get them up and running for that next generation. Um, so since we know it's slow, we have tons of access, uh, you know, they do to really, really good people mm -hmm. to get their program up and running at a fast record. So we looked at it and said, let's take the time and build the next layer when we know we have that skill available in-house. So that's what we're doing. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, and that's our five Gen Zs that have joined <laughs> our team this year. And I haven't lost one yet. Well, that's, that's encouraging. It's like, but when you bring on five, you might as well train five instead of training one. Well, that's what I'm saying. Bring them in and there's plenty of room and a ton of commitment. This is a solid company. And we're like, well, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Bring them all in, get them up and running. Now, um, the, does anybody in your family work in the business or is it just you or? Well, my husband is, uh, like a senior ex executive vice president for, um, a company called CNO. Okay. So insurance, yep. big insurance company, but he does technology. He's a data, data expert. So everybody loves tech around you. We have all STEM degrees. I have cousins, first cousins with doctorate's degrees in physics, patents, air balloons. It's crazy. Well, everyone it, loves science in our family. <laughs> it, it, well, I mean, especially if you're in the tech field, it always changes. There's things that are exciting about it. Is there... You, let's talk a little bit of tech front. You've always been a, a lover of technology. You've adopted it in your company. You test a lot of things. Um, 
how did you come about always? I mean, is it more of a hobby or interest to you? Like to always just kind of see what's new out there? What drives well, it, that? For you? It actually is from a funny story. Why this happened. How do, how do we get back into tech? So we had a horrible, horrible website about 10, 12 years ago. And, you know, my, our president at the time was like, that website doesn't mean anything. And we're all like, all right. And so a client, a potential client goes to the website and there's like tape all across it, you know, a caution, uh, construction or yeah. under construction. So <laughs> we had this really big data integration opportunity and she saw our website and she called a, called up my business partner at the time and said, yeah, anyone who's got a website that looks like that isn't touching my data. So <laughs> we knew, we knew. Yeah. We're like, all right, we're going to have to build a new website. And while we're at it, you know, let's get a little bit more involved with some of the other technology. And I just went out every conference I went to, I picked one thing new. That was my, my one objective. I, I could look before I left functionally where there were multiple clicks that could be deleted. So I go and I'd say, all right, this looks like a reasonable piece to this stack and plug it in. And, you know, the goal in building a tech stack is to reduce the amount of time and clicks and places where, you know, where sales and recruiting has to, yeah, you the know. Bottleneck. Yeah. So now we take data, which is really fun. We've dropped all our data into Azure and now we're doing algorithms. So we're doing a lot of data science work and recruiting trends, which is very interesting. So even within our own data. Well, it's it, you can't be afraid to add something or try something new because there's a lot of old school people. Uh, I'll put myself into that. That's been in this industry 20 plus years that ah, we don't need that. We can just do it the old school way. But these young kids, I mean, they want the tech. They want to reduce the clicks. I mean, they they really want to work smarter, not longer. I absolutely and I'm the same way now. But, it, but I'm glad you're not afraid to look at things and try new things, change your company. Gen Z's are really big judges of technology. <laughs> I call them the swipe generation. Like if they don't like something, they just swipe. Yep. And, and attention span about like this and they want to <laughs> get to the answer. Within seconds, my kid's like, nope. 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 So we, we have what, two, two or three seconds until we get the nope? Yep. <laughs> But we looked at data, like how long someone looks at a resume with 3D IQ. So it was it was so amazing that people make decisions within seven seconds. That's how long they look at it. And we could see it. And it's kind of it's funny. They don't really they don't get to the in that skin. They don't spend time on it. So, yeah, yeah it's a very, very short time to make that impression. All right. To wrap this up, I'm going to ask you Netflix. Prime, what's the show that's got your attention? Ah, oh, God. Or do you even have the time to even? <laughs> I, I love I love Yellowstone. Oh, I do too. I, I'm a Yellowstone person. You know, I, I like the the wilder things or the weird things or whatever that one was that series with all the kids in the '80s. Yeah, that was a good one too. And I also like Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Karate kid. That, that that is, is what that explains a lot right there. 
Right. Well, and I really appreciate you coming on this podcast and it's always great to get to know someone a little bit deeper. And I'm sure a lot of us out there didn't get a, they know you by name or they know who you are, but to know a little bit of your makeup is very important in our industry. And you, and you, and I thank you from the staffing industry by you putting so much love and care into the, into our product. Um, you do it the right way. And I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. The Staffing Stories podcast is brought to you by 3DIQ, founded by recruiters for recruiters. 3DIQ's industry-leading product suite complements your submission process in Bullhorn from start to finish and helps you deliver a cutting-edge customer experience. Triple your placements with our powerful resume submission platform, candidate marketing, and client portal. Visit 3diq.com stories to learn more.